0: yo and welcome to the 133rd episode of lake coverage pokemon trading card game podcast i'm your host as always kevin clementi aka mellow underscore magic i'm joined today by a very special temporary guest host joining us fresh off of a top eight finish at the san antonio regional championships we have the former and reigning national champion for the united states the one and only nick robinson nick how you doing today I'm, I'm
1: doing wonderful, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you for being on. I am So Maradon's one of the decks I was thinking about playing for Portland. I've since decided I'm not touching it, but the Peony build is specifically one that I was like, this is the best way to play it. It's so good. Why is no one playing it? And so I'm super excited to get to talk about a deck that I've put a fair amount of time into, even if I'm, again, I'm not going to touch it anytime soon. Fair enough. So we got a very special episode for you all. We're going to start with some rapid strike questions, of course. because it's the First time Nick's been on the episode or on the podcast. Then we're going to talk about the deck list, some of the inclusions, because I know I saw the Twitter thread where you posted your results. People are already asking about a lot of the things, so let's just cover it for as many people as possible. And then some of the matchups. How does this deck actually go? How did your run go? All that good stuff, right? And also, sounds great. I gotta say. Uh, Merry Christmas to anyone who celebrates, because this episode will be coming out right around the twenty fourth or twenty fifth of December. So you know we're always supplying you with that content. If you don't celebrate, congratulations—we are putting something out there when the rest of the people take a day off. So you'll have sixty seconds to answer as many right. questions as you can. Are you ready?
1: I am one hundred and maybe yeah, maybe like nine percent ready. Somewhere in between there.
0: Yeah, if I let you keep thinking, it's going to get a lower percentage, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, true. All right. It's going to be fast, though. We got this.
0: Well, let's see. Question number one. Spring or fall? S- mm, spring. What's your favorite breakfast food? Favorite
1: breakfast food? Uh, probably like a cinnamon roll.
0: What's your favorite retro format to play?
1: Ooh... I've always been a big 2010 fan, but I mean, I guess 2017, NAIC 2017 is also a registered format. So yeah, Let's one go. of those two.
0: What's your favorite deck of all time?
1: Favorite deck of all time is probably uh, Zorark, Decidueye, Ninetales from Sun and Moon to Lost Thunder format.
0: Would you rather go to the bottom of the ocean or go to space? Oh, definitely space. Who would be your starter Pokemon? Who would be my starter Pokemon? Chimchar. Would you rather watch a comedy or a drama? Comedy. Toppings on your perfect pizza. Uh,
1: pepperoni, pineapple, banana peppers.
0: Which color sleeves do you use?
1: That honestly changes a lot. I've been playing with pink a lot recently.
0: Uh, cats or dogs?
1: Uh, d- d- uh, dogs.
0: Juniper, sycamore, oak, rowan, magnolia, turro, or the other, Sada.
1: Um. Uh, I most When I play Research, I usually play Junipers.
0: And that is time. So you made it through 11 questions. Not bad, not bad. Hey, not bad. So I got to ask, favorite retro format 2017 NAIC, one that is near and dear to my heart as well. Mm-hmm. But what is your deck?
1: My deck, so I actually I day two 2017 NAIC. I got top 64 with uh, uh, Zorark uh, Drapa
0: let's go and i love I, lo- that I love
1: that i love that deck i literally took uh danny altavilla's like list that he won uh i think it's mexico city regionals mm-hmm. uh and i changed like one card because i wanted to play two teammates and two teammates was so sick in that deck
0: <laughs> that's one of those cards that like as they talk about like oh we're gonna have more comeback mechanics and things like that a card like teammates or twins you know kind of the same vibe was yeah. like it feels like it's got to be coming soon, right? Like,
1: Yeah, I know, right? It's like, I mean, like, we have Raihan, which is, like, kind of a similar vibe, but, like, you know, one card versus two cards, but you get the extra energy attachment. And, you know, both definitely still very shark effect. I will say I love Raihan as a card right now.
0: <laughs> and we'll get to the Raihan, of course. Beautiful segue, yes. though. Uh, pink sleeves. You're also wearing a pink hoodie for uh, anyone who's watching on YouTube. Is that, is that, that just the vibe right now or that's
1: just, I, I mean, you know, I've never been a huge, uh, I've never cared too much about my, uh, like sleeve color that much. I used to play my, when I first started playing, I played with like, it's like, it's like blackberry, like ultra pro pro mats, mm-hmm. And now they don't make those anymore. The closest thing they have to those are like magenta dragon shields, but I'm like kind of shifting away from dragon shields just because the quality has been on the fritz recently. Yeah. Um, So yeah, most recently, actually, at San Antonio, I played with Cortexes, uh, and those are interesting. I played with purple Cortexes until I had to re-sleeve for Top 8, which I played black Cortexes. Very, very cheap sleeves. They're like 8 bucks for like like 100 sleeves, but they work pretty well.
0: Nice. That was one that uh, Ultra Pro sent us some for not sponsored, not affiliated. Y'all can buy whatever (laughs) sleeves you want, but they sent us some to do some giveaways with, and... I Ooh. stupidly gave away all of the box instead of trying. So, it's, oh, well,
1: that's it's unfortunate.
0: Good to know that you are a fan of them, just in case they ever uh, come across my lap again, right?
1: Yeah, no, they're they're good. I would recommend it. They definitely, you know, they shuffle well. They feel nice.
0: That, that's all. Mine. That, well, that's not all that matters, actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you got to worry about durability and stuff. I'd say the durability is definitely on the lower end, but they're eight dollars, so like, eh. <laughs> are you, you get a- you get some you get some crooked, crooked corners. It's
0: fine. After a top eight, are you really going to be worrying about a sleeve prices anymore?
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, maybe, maybe I can branch out. Maybe I have actually tried Sentinels. I really like those too. Those are sick.
0: Those are also very solid. They got sent some, again, not sponsored, although they want to sponsor me, hit <laughs> me up. And uh, I've been using the same one for the last three cups plus Sacramento regionals and a couple challenges and easy. They're, they're fine. <laughs> there's no nicks. There's no nothing. So it's like, this is great. I love it.
1: Yeah for sure definitely would recommend trying out sentinels if you can get them before they sell out <laughs>
0: also true <laughs> <laughs> So let's go ahead and jump into that deck list a little bit so you played turbo ride on and as turbo as turbo can get a lot of people like this is the turbo deck and then you weren't the first one to do this but you the highest finish of it where it's just like this is turbo yes so let's talk about some of the cards i think the first thing that stands out to anyone who looks at this is there is not a single draw supporter <laughs> in this deck. None of these cards except the Squawkabilly, I guess, and the Raikou and the Mew. Okay, whatever. Pokemon abilities. But none of these it's trainer talk, cards right. draw some cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Peony. Why are you running four Peonies and nothing else? How does this possibly so, function?
1: So the thing is is that this deck is like super hyper-aggressive like turn one. Like any, you know, you search your deck for any two cards you want. A lot of those times, it's like at least one electric generator, and then usually either a second electric generator or like some sort of switching card to get your attacker into the active, or like a forest seal stone. So you're like, well, I can generator and then attach forest seal stone, restart for three, see what I need off the forest seal stone. Um, so the whole thing with, with this deck is that it gets attacking. Uh, Faster than probably any other deck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very close at the very least. It's a deck where I can go okay. Um, if I want to Iron Hands turn one, I can Iron Hands turn one. I tandem unit for Iron Hands, P- peony for generator and forest sealstone generator. Most like hit two pretty often because I play you play sixteen lightning energy and then I can forest sealstone to and then draw three cards with Mew. See, do I forest seal stone for my double turbo energy, or do I forest seal stone for a switching card? Things like that, and then even with like stadium like beach court, sometimes you don't even need a switching card after your peony. It just kind of it just kind of flows in a way that I really wasn't expecting, and it's honestly it works it it works surprisingly well. <laughs>
0: I was watching a james Cox's stream uh, he had played it to what a top sixty four like sixty fifth place or something like that at one of the mm-hmm. regionals and he said he had done the math. I don't know if you've done the generator math, but it's like even with prizing a couple or having them in your hand, you were more likely to hit two off your generators on turn one than you were to hit zero and one combined
1: yep yep that is we actually we did do some uh generator math uh the night for the regional looks for like do we cut like because we were originally at just 17 lightning and like it was like 17 lightning energy and one double turbo energy or mm-hmm. like what if we cut a lightning and we're, like okay if we cut a lightning our odds only go down by like our odds from hitting like of whiffing completely go up by like like maybe one percent and like the odds of like but it's like one of those things that the math was just so minute that mm-hmm. we were like it's worth it to put in whatever card we had. I don't even remember exactly what card we ended up putting in for the spot, but we like, it was worth it at the time.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where I wish I had a visual or, all right, you, you might know math better than I do, but you know how you end up with a slope of a curve and eventually you reach the yeah. point where it's like diminishing returns like completely? Yes. And so it's like 16, that number where you're like, all right, anything beyond 16 does improve your odds, but it's such a small amount that it's whatever.
1: Okay. So it's actually um, the math that we did. Um, this is my friend Tanner Draybeck. Uh great guy if you've ever met him, he's from from Iowa, got getting into the game more recently. Great guy. Um uh, he he was doing the math because he he found like the calculator thing that does the math. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can like go down to like fifteen and then like right after fifteen is where it's like, okay, now you're gonna start like seeing some significant differences. But we decided like we're like, eh, there's nothing we want mo- one more, like really that bad, at least at the time. So we're like, let's keep the sixteen, just keep our odds mm-hmm. high. Um but yeah, 15 is the magic number uh, based off of the math that we did.
0: That's good to know. Which could,
1: yeah, which, I mean, in theory could be wrong, but I trust Tanner,
0: so. <laughs> I mean, what good is having friends who you're testing with if you're not going to trust them, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so amongst other things, we we got the energy counts in there. There's a few other like weird things. And the first Pokemon choice is the two Mu EX. We've seen lists with zero. We've seen lists with one. I've never personally seen a list with two. Why? How do you have two EX? Well,
1: well, first off, if you're playing zero p and uh, Peony Meridon, you're wrong. That just it just doesn't work. Uh, but two was a a thought process that came uh, from Kiernan and Wagner actually when we were building this deck like week before the regionals. We we're like, hey, what if we try doing this? Um, two MU-EX, uh was specifically so that uh it's less likely for your opponent to be able to go uh crap counter catcher iono you down to one or two and then just knock out X. Mm-hmm. That way you at least have possibly a way to draw out of it if you like you know you hit the P and E for a Ness ball or something or or if you just have the second Mew X in play. Mm-hmm. Um but Mew E X actually ended up being insanely useful this weekend. Like you know it's it was super good in the last tina matchup it was made the made the rapture Urshfu matchup is almost unlosable um it was it was super good card definitely one of the the best inclusions in this list by far
0: so i have to ask because uh we're testing the zard into your list matchup a little bit and i was finding myself putting the double turbo on Mew a lot who do you think held the double turbo energy more often for you? Was it Mu or Iron Hands?
1: Um, definitely Iron Hands, but it definitely put in work uh on the Mu EX as well, like especially specifically in the uh in the Rapid Strike matchup, because sometimes uh you just go, Okay, uh either Dynamotor or Raihan on the Mu EX, attach the double turbo, and then just genome hacking for rapid flow, knockout rem rates or mm-hmm. something. And or, you know, do like 200 to uh, Urshifu and then knock out the one rem rate on the bench. Things like that. Um, yeah, definitely double turbo was mostly on Iron Hands. But in day two, it was definitely more on the Mui-X. I actually didn't use Ampu very much at all on day two, which is funny. That's wild.
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, the day one versus day two meta in San Antonio is still, to me, just like, wh- what happened? I know what happened. Because like it makes yeah. some amount of sense, but like, what happened?
1: I know, right? It's like, you know, Zard was super popular. Made its uh, Urshifu's did really well. There was a, like a pretty fair, fair amount of Urshifu in day two, if I remember correctly. It was like, I want, I want to say it was like the like third or fourth most played mm-hmm. deck in day two, which is like honestly insane to me. Like, I knew that there, were, I heard rumors of an uptick of Rapid Strike for this event, but I'm like, ah, nah, that's not real. And then I'm like, ah, oh, well, I mean, at least in day two, it was real. <laughs>
0: uh Another thing that you have is one Raiku and one Raichu V. This is, used to be two ofs in the slower, more traditional Maraidon list. Did you ever get punished for having one of either of these? Um,
1: there definitely were times where I, I got punished. So one time specifically, I got punished. Um, I remember I had to squawk and seize away my forest heal stone because i prized both of them Mm -hmm. uh so i didn't have a v pokemon that i could get off of tandem unit and that was definitely annoying um you know it was honestly one of those things like most of the time it was fine Mm uh you know prizing raichu could was like kind of annoying in some matchups just because it's like that that that's a great big finisher um prizing raiku wasn't like that big of a deal because it's like, yeah, you have to work a little harder to get, you know, you know a hit off turn one. You know, maybe you have to arm press with an iron hands or photon blaster with a right on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I definitely uh, am looking into probably playing a assuming heavy ball moving forward. though
0: The Raihan is a card I saw on Twitter. You said I never lost a game where I played Rihon.
1: And that's true. Every game that I played Raihan, I won because Raihan, not only so like the thought process behind R- Raihan is that it is a essentially a fifth supporter, mm-hmm. like that actually like a fifth consistency supporter in a way, right? Because you only play four peony, um, but play, so playing the Raihan is a fifth card. But also just like being able just getting getting any card out of your deck is really good. <laughs> Like it just statistically is very good. There's many times where I remember. I remember specifically in my round nine against Isaiah Bradner, um, he had used uh, he had used his Giratina and lost impact and knocked out my ride on that. I just I just used my ride on, took two prizes on a Giratina V that went abyss seeking. Mm-hmm. He comes up, uh, he actually overloads energy onto it, so he had like you know four energy on it. Lost impact gets rid of two, and I said. And I said, Isaiah, I need you to promise me something. He's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I need you to promise you won't be mad at me. <laughs> and, then I, and then I go, promote, Raihan Ry- Energy on the Mew, Dynamotor, Attach, Genome Hacking, Lost Impact. He's like, oh, that that is not something I thought was going to happen.
0: Do you think Raihan keeps its value moving forward now that people have seen it in the list?
1: I think it's still incredible. Just like getting out those plays, like, it makes it so you can you can set up an Iron Hands without generating mm-hmm. like from nothing because you can go you can go uh, Dynamotor, Raihan search your deck for the DTE attach and you're you're using amp and it just makes it so that you have a little bit more sustainability in the late game uh, something that this deck really struggles with is if it does with its generators it makes it so that it can be kind of hard to like close out a game because you can't get the energies in play but Raihan just makes it so, you know, accelerate an extra energy and play for Raichu at the end of the game, you know, set up your Mew EX, set up your Iron Hands, it does, it just does so much, uh, it's definitely worth playing, I I couldn't imagine not playing it after how good it was for me this weekend.
0: And how about the Collapse Stadium?
1: So the Collapse Stadium was like a little bit of like a, it was just like, it ended up being really good, and it was one of those cards that we were like, I don't think we need three beach court mm-hmm. like it's just as like you know we have mui X as a free retreater like most of the time anyway because you know we have two so it's almost it's always going to be in play um and and we're like you know sometimes your bench gets a little weird especially if you have to like use Luminion V to search for a supporter if you you know uh you know maybe you're like oh squawk is getting in the way like because it's just sitting there and I used to turn one and I never want to use it again you know maybe Or in a a few cases, there were times where I actually misplayed by uh, not playing into this more often. Uh, There were times where it's like, oh, there's damage on this. uh, One of my attackers goes to the bench, and I collapse stadium. And there were times where I was like, I was thinking I was going to do that. And then I was dumb and played a beach court before I peonied. And I'm like, I was going to peonied for collapse. I don't know (laughs) why I did that. Luckily, I didn't... I don't believe I actually ended up getting punished any of those times, but it was one of those times where it's like, I may, could have made it that instead of guaranteeing, like instead of them having an out to win the game, I could have guaranteed solidified my way.
0: Speaking of the, like, you know, that idea of like, oh, they might have a way to win this game. Did you ever like want hand disruption in this deck? Or is that not something you're like, I'm going to go faster and I'm just going to go there before you can get there.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only time that hand disruption I think really matters for this list is when is like against like Zard. But even then, like if they set up Pidgeot, like not really. Like I'd rather just boss knock out their Pidgeot. Um, or if it's like I had a bad start, which this deck doesn't actually have a bad start very often. <laughs> um, so from my experience, at least, uh, maybe some other people that I play this would sell you differently. But it's like. The, the whole point of this deck is to be hyper aggressive. And the whole point of the reason I played this deck was that um, I specifically for San Antonio was like, I want to be the deck that other people need to have a response to. So many tournaments, I've been playing decks like Gardevoir and Lossum and like, like different Lossum decks where it's like, oh, I need to try and find my response every single turn. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I have to be reactive as to what my opponent's doing. And this, you know, for San Antonio, I was just like, I just want to be the deck that I go fast and it's really annoying to deal with. And if you don't have the out, you don't have the out, you lose.
0: So that's actually super interesting. I love the, the like, the I want to be the deck that's asking the questions, right? Instead of the deck yeah. that's trying to answer them. Did you know that Lake of Rage podcast now has merged at doomed-gaming.com, which is down below in the description? We have a shirt and sticker available to you. Use code Lake for ten percent off your first order of some Lake of Rage podcast merch. And if this sells well, we're gonna add some more designs in the future. Now on to the show. I
1: played against Gardevoir. I played against a Champal. I played against a Palkia. I played against Lost Tina. I played against Urshifus. I played and I played against a Mew. Mm-hmm. Like I played against and I played. Did I say stall already? You played against stall. the stall. Yeah. Oh, I played against the stall. Um, and yeah, so I've I've I would say I played against pretty much everything that's like the meta.
0: So I want to start then with the let's start out on the negative, and then we'll head into mm-hmm. the positives. So yeah. the Zard matchup. Why is it actually so bad? Because you're like, oh, I'm going to amp you very much, right? It should mm-hmm. should be good. You're taking multiple prizes.
1: Well, the problem the problem is is that. One the biggest thing is that a lot of Zards that going into this weekend were playing Tool Jammer or like double Tool Jammer, which two of the list I played against Grant Manley and Azul in my mm-hmm. run, and they weren't playing it, but they were playing two Vacuum. But like one of the biggest things that this deck can do to circumvent the how quickly they do enough to one shot you is to play Bravery Char. Um and obviously that doesn't work if they just vacuum it away. And it's one of those things that they can even like. Even if they whiff it for a turn, they can still vacuum it later and then take uh, two prizes on something else Hmm. if they just, like, boss around what I, like, if I throw up, like, a single prizer. Um, It's also just, like, you know, like I said, this is the type of deck that you need. It's, like, I'm going to go fast, and you need to find the answer. Well, Zard's answer is to rare candy in the Charizard, (laughs) (laughs) which is, like, not that hard to do, especially once you set up a Pidgeot and you get a one free card a turn. It's, like, okay... I need to have one of the cards I need in my hand. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. And also like once they have that Charizard EX in play, it's really hard to knock out. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, you can go for a big Raikou, but with Raikou, you still need six energy in play to do that. Uh or not Raikou, Raichu. With Raichu, you need six energy in play to get that knockout. And then once you do that, you it's you're not you don't really have a response after that. And then they get their second rare candy Charizard, and you're like, well, this sucks. Uh <laughs> But then, like, so yeah, it's just, they have such an easy time responding, Um, and there are definitely things that you can do, there are ways that you can play it, you know, but it's just, since this deck wants to be the aggressor, the, like, ways that you preserve your attackers are, like, not taking prizes, Uh, and then they, like, okay, I can Photon Blaster for 220, and then they can only hit me for 180, like, it's like, okay, that's great, and then they go uh, quick search for boss, and then they just boss and take two prizes anyway, and it's like, okay, well, I like you just can't re- win that prize race very well without things going very much your way, and them not getting very lucky.
0: That makes sense. So, is this a deck then where you're kind of like, if you play this, you should kind of accept that Zard's gonna be a rough one, but in your opinion, is that worth it?
1: Um. So... I will say that I probably got a little bit lucky on the matchup roulette because, like, I mean, Zard was, like, almost a quarter of the meta. Mm-hmm. And I only played against it twice in Swiss in 15 rounds. So, like, I will say I got pretty lucky in that regard. I think moving forward, realistically, you probably need to play some sort of answer to Zard. Um, the best answer to Zard that I've I've thought of, and funny enough, uh something Azul actually mentioned to me in our top eight match mm-hmm. uh, was playing Tapu Coco EX uh, just because that, since Zara's are playing really low switch counts, like, I mean, Grant and Azul's list played zero. Mm-hmm. They, so it's like you can use that Tapu Coco EX response to a knockout with uh, 120 and a paralysis. They do nothing for a turn. You go into a Photon Blaster, take D20 and makes sense so that you can kind of initiate a prize trade in a way, um, you know, but ultimately you... Also, you still want to try and find like bosses orders for Pidgeot. So maybe playing another boss is good. I've also thought about playing like a countercatcher, knowing that in the Zard mashup, a lot of times they actually go up on prizes. So you could go Peony for countercatcher, bring up Pidgeot. Uh, so I, I'm definitely looking into those uh, two options for, for Portland.
0: Oh, nice. You're going to be in Portland.
1: I will be in Portland.
0: Cool. Good luck unless we play against each other.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's so, it's so good luck, you know? It's more fun when you play a, win a good game, right? That's true. I just want to be a
0: little luckier.
1: Yeah, it's, you see, sometimes you just need to be a little luckier, but it's fun when you have to play a good game.
0: <laughs> that is true. It's incredibly unfortunate when it's like, oh, I donked you twice, like this was... Now I just have to go yeah. stand around for 40 minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another thing, is that with this deck, you will uh, you will have a good amount of time in between rounds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So another one of the meta matchups, and one that I think is going to be a little more relevant into Portland ah. regionals is oh, that's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh La Sontina. How does a La Sontina yes. matchup play out? Because in, in my head, I don't know, you can tell me why I'm wrong. They're okay. one-shotting you. They're mm-hmm. pathing and rock sanning you. They're able to counter catcher the Flaffy and do some Sableye shenanigans. Like they have so many options. That in theory, it shouldn't be great for you. So how does yeah. that matchup actually go?
1: So from my experience, the matchup is you start off as the aggressor. Mm-hmm. And you're, essentially, you're taking two prize knockouts every turn. Um, and whether there's a few ways that happens. It's either you Photon Blaster, their Tina V that they Abyss Seeking with, which usually they're going to have to Abyss Seeking with mm-hmm. to, so that way that they can respond with a lost impact. Um, or you amp you very much like a Comfy or something active, take two prizes. Um, then they bring up, they come up, their, uh, you know, their Tina comes up, they loss, They go loss, impact, knockout, and then oftentimes you can respond with a genome hacking with MewEx for loss, impact, for knockout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's really up to if they can come up with a response after that. It's a very fast-paced matchup, and um, it's one of those things that Tina it's you know it's a deck that they need to find a lot more to get a knockout from my experience uh you know they have they have to hit the chorus experiment each turn they have to hit turn like have vip pass like in hand uh you know and set up they have to get off their flower selectings they generally have to work a little bit harder than you to get your knockouts Mm -hmm. uh i will say it's still one of the closer matchups i think it's I think it's favored for Maraidon just because of how fast you can be, especially my list with the with the uh, Raihan and Double Mew to be able to have Genome hacking. Uh, and you know, you still play. You know, they talk about your you know Path Sand. You do still play. Uh, you know, three stadiums and a vacuum, so you still have outs. You know, obviously Path sand still sticks sometimes. That's just that's a thing that exists. But uh, for my experience, it's like I'm usually the one that's able to get off my attacks more consistently and then sometimes they're stuck around being like oh well I'm gonna have to hold off a turn because I didn't get what I needed hi Roxy how are you (laughs) Roxy really wanted to say hi to the viewers
0: so one of the other meta matchups that I it's still gonna be around is the ride on mirror Mm -hmm. do you think this is the version that's just like better in the mirror or did you learn anything or is it really just like I sure hope I go second
1: (laughs) yeah um so funny, I guess the one matchup I didn't play was the Maraidon on Mirror. <laughs> um I played matchups like similar to it, like in terms of like I guess like Chen and Palkia are like a little different just because they have the uh they like you know they're not necessarily doing anything turn one. Mm-hmm. I guess tec- technically Palkia has, you know, Suicune, but uh you can play around that. So it's it's a lot of in the on Mirror it it is going to be go second mm-hmm. obviously uh get off your turn one attack i think this deck is more more likely to get off the turn one attack just because you give pne for like double generator um and ride on you know path ride on has to draw into it mm-hmm. which they just don't do sometimes um so that's also and that's also the scary part is that the other ride can path you and sometimes you're like well this sucks <laughs> um but yeah, it's definitely a close matchup where whereas like, you know, this build is being hyper aggressive, it's gonna be more likely to take the turn of one knockout. But then Pathmaridon is well, I can I, I have Path Judge, I have Path Iono, and sometimes that just works. And you know, if they set up, they you know, they get their double flaffy out, then they also get to just be like, Well, I have a consistent attack each turn. I don't really have to work that hard to you know get her done.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense another deck that you did manage to actually don't know if you beat it did you beat stall yes i
1: did okay i beat i beat everything that wasn't charizard and then i did tie i tied grant hayes in a game that we had a we had a weird we had a weird set because but yeah i beat everything that wasn't charizard all right so let's talk about stall
0: yeah have you, uh, I've also been asking this of people because I came to the realization, this is true of myself, and it seems to be for most people. Have you ever been to a West Coast regional when Staller Control was meta? So like a viable deck like Gigas Hoopa or whatever, and not hit a Staller Control deck?
1: Yeah. Um, I haven't been to that many West Coast regionals. So like, okay. I've, I went to the two Salt Lake Cities um, mm-hmm. that, you know, post-COVID, Um, I went to Sacramento and then I went to like Arizona for the the 2016, 2017. I went to that Arizona. I was there. My hands were up.
0: (laughs) I've heard nothing but the worst things. is that that literally like the worst regional to ever occur? One of the worst regionals.
1: I, for context, viewers, you need to know about this (laughs) for context. I use the Arizona 2016 die. Like as my flipping die, As a reminder that if I can get through that regional, I can get through anything.
0: One day we have to have and I have to have people who have been to like the worst regionals of all time to just you can have a discussion. You can make a
1: whole you can make a whole like two hour podcast episode just about Arizona 2016. I (laughs) swear to I swear I could I could talk about it for like an hour by myself.
0: (laughs) Can you give us a quick let's say we're going back to high school English class thesis statement three pronged thesis statement. What made it so bad?
1: Arizona Regionals uh, 2016 was a disgrace to competitive Pokemon because of the inefficiency of the event, the lack of planning in regards to, specifically in regards to time, time management, Mm -hmm. and just, I guess... I guess general atmosphere because of the decisions of the tournament organizer. Like I hate to, I hate to talk that poorly in terms of like a tournament organizer. Cause like, I know it's really hard to run regionals, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of decisions from that regional that I'm glad that we've learned from.
0: <laughs> so yeah, everyone's thinking, Oh, Portland last year was so bad. And I do think that, but uh, I have heard it's been worse before. <laughs>
1: It's been worse. I I do. I sadly did not get to go to Portland last year. No, I wanted you don't, to, but you don't I didn't want get to. to. It was bad. Well, <laughs> I, I want to because I love I love the West Coast people, and I have friends in Portland. But yeah, I heard Portland last year was pretty bad. But I promise you, from people that I know that went to Portland last year, and that were also in Arizona, Arizona 2016. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, we're going to talk about the stall matchup. So, yes, <laughs> uh, before I talked about the West Coast loving stall, which is very much on my radar heading into Portland. I don't know if it's on yours. Uh, how does this deck? So, you have three switching cards, two ropes, and one regular switch. How do you possibly beat stall with this deck?
1: So, there is this cool uh, sixty HP Psychic type Pokemon in <laughs> this deck called Spiritomb that has the what, that has the uh, Fettered and Misfortune ability, which says Basic V basic Pokemon V and play both yours and your opponents have no abilities um which in uh like stall the primary ability and way consistency they have is from Rotom V. Mm-hmm. So if they they don't have access to draw from Rotom V, they only get to draw one card a turn. Their deck tends to do a lot worse and cannot control you as actively. They don't get they don't draw into all their Ericas. They don't draw into countercatcher all the time uh you just get to do more attacks. Uh, you get more value out of your smaller switching counts because of that. Um, also, funny enough, uh, in this build specifically, you get to search out your switch cards, and you get to hold them in your hand, so you can go peony for rope switch. And you know, some lists like the Pidgeot builds that play like Luxury V, they can punish that. But the more popular build, and I think the build that tends to do better overall mm-hmm. uh just a straight build they can't really punish that very well they're just like oh well you have two guaranteed switches in your hand um and now i know that your hand is only switches so i don't have the access to erica's for a pokemon like a lumineon or a squawk or something uh this sucks <laughs> um, yeah and then also uh vacuum is also super useful mm-hmm. uh being able to Uh, Get surprise knockouts uh, in in my matchup specifically. I had a very fun game, very funny game one where I had four prizes left to take. I had used arm press onto two different uh, Snorlaxes, one with a bravery charm, one with a luxurious cape. Uh, I use vacuum to take off the bravery charm, mm-hmm. take a prize, and then I go boss, bring up the one with the <laughs> cape, and I go amp you very much, and I took four prizes in one turn. It was pretty cool. <laughs>
0: That's disgusting. <laughs>
1: it, was, it, was, it was pretty disgusting.
0: I mean, you know, that is, I'm sure plenty of people are like, you know, the Snorlax player deserved that. <laughs>
1: that's the thing is like you know you can talk i can talk about how uh lucky i got against Starlax and people are like yeah go you <laughs> <laughs> like they're like excited for me i i personally love control decks uh my first ever regional i actually played save like garbador and i got top four at it so yeah. i i'm i'm i love control but like i get why people get frustrated by it i don't think people should hate on it as much but i get it <laughs>
0: So Sableye Garb, so real quick, was it the training wheel edition with Puzzle of Time or was it a different version?
1: It was it was before Puzzle of Time existed. It was uh yeah, it was a it was a very jank build from uh, Fort Wayne 2015. I uh yeah, I was playing I was playing Blend Energies with uh to, with Fruzy and EX to to make it to the counter uh Seismitoad. It made my Seismitoad Tina matchup so good, it was crazy. <laughs>
0: I do appreciate the one time i played sable garb was uh the 100 butler wand with tina chomp and i saw oh, yeah sable garb wasn't a good deck but somehow yeah. i had multiple toads which was very <laughs> much not a good card in that format so you know if you had yeah. a toad tech i'm impressed that is that's the move
1: true true yeah they uh yeah no i was actually i was part of that tina Chomp crew i uh I got 18th place at that at Dallas Regionals. I was a I was one of the one of the founding members of that. One of the I guess like the third in line if you consider <laughs> who the creator
0: is. <laughs> That's actually pretty sick. That's one of the a quick aside. Tell me why I'm wrong or agree with me. One of the reasons why expanded existing as an official format was fun is it really gave a chance for those secret decks that we keep thinking are going to happen in standard and they never ever ever happen ever. Well, and it so- expanded it did. So Help us out.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you in in some aspect that yeah, expanded definitely allows for secret decks to exist. We you know Tina Chomp was a secret ex- secret deck. We me and at the time, uh, Team Gas and Cutter Tap. We were working together as Cutter Gas. Um, we were working on this Tina Chomp deck. We were trying a bunch of different things. Uh, and yeah, and then immediately after at Collinsville Regionals, we had the secret uh Mew Cram deck that was. You know, those were only possible because of how big of the card pool was and expanded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think part of it too is how much the game has changed since that happened. You know, over COVID, uh, a lot more people started playing. There's a lot more on- the online tournament scene is way different than it was back then. You know, you can play in a li- in an online limitless tournament literally every night, mm-hmm. and there's probably going to be a hundred plus players in it. People are constantly mm-hmm. playing Pokemon cards nowadays, which makes it so that one like i think it's just the main thing is that everything's been tried Mm -hmm. like people are trying literally everything because people are constantly playing pokemon which makes it so that rogue decks are less likely to be successful because somebody's probably tried it and it was probably bad so they put it down like the closest thing you like closest thing we've seen to like this is like literally like this PE mirai list where it's like oh this is a bit different like sometimes we get like weird stuff out of like japan and other asian countries mm-hmm. but it's just like for the most part it's things the meta gets solved a lot faster and while you know the meta obviously still evolves um in various ways like you know the meta evolved into having you know tool jammers and charizard this weekend charizard being fired very popular mm-hmm. the the meta gets like the good decks get figured out very quick
0: yeah i think that's a really good that's a really good way to put how things are going right now <laughs> yeah for sure So Speaking of the jammers in uh, Zard, one of the reasons was for the Rapid Strike Urshifu matchup. As someone who was very pro-jammer this past weekend in Charizard, because it stops that TM devolution, Urshifu, they are a fighting-type deck. They should absolutely destroy you, and yet, you did not lose to the Urshifus you played against. Urshifus. I
1: played against three different Urshifus in day two. And you went 3-0 against them. Uh, not only that, I went six one in games against them, um, and How? the only game I lost is that I I actually probably would have won if I would have hit a double generator onto my lone uh, Zapdos, uh, <laughs> and, but I only hit one because they because she only had Remoraid in the active and a Squawkabilly on the bench. So if I would have been able to attack with that uh, Zapdos, I was it, I was gonna win because I did get to attack with an Xerne, and I took uh, Peony as my one prize. <laughs> so. I was almost six and oh.
0: So, and the rapid believers oh yeah. will tell you this is a fine matchup for them. How did you do it? How did you win that many games outside of the bricking so, memory <laughs> Yeah. So, the way
1: that I won this matchup is because I played double Mew EX. And part of it is I just played into that, right? Mm-hmm. I think people get. Uh, Too strung up on, like, oh, I need to take prizes fast. And I, because obviously that's what this X supposed to do. You're supposed to take prizes fast. I see an Intelli on V in the active, and I'm like, amp you very much. Um, (laughs) But uh, from what I, from what I notice is that the bet I, the games I won or the games that I use motivate to put two energies on a MUEX. Interesting. And my best strategy was going turn two. Discard two energy, attach the squawk ability, motivate on a Muex ex, and say, Do something. <laughs> because they're, sa- while they're saying, I'm threatening turn two rapid flow. I say, So am I. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're, you know, once they rapid flow, I knock out their octillery. You know, sometimes it's literally just rapid flow, knock out the two, the remorane and the octillery, mm-hmm. don't even put damage. Obviously, putting damage on Urshfu is super good because I can rapid flow for 240 onto it. Mm-hmm. But just saying, you don't have a setup anymore, they're like, man, my deck really sucks now. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, like ultimately it does. Like, it's, like, they... Because they don't want to set up Inteleons Mm -hmm. because if they do that, then I go, okay, attack with any Lightning-type and take three prizes. Um, So then they're stuck there, and they're like, oh, I have an Urshifu in the active. Um, There's no... I have no energy in play. I have no way to search out cards. So I can't even, like, do a weird, like... It's really hard to get off like a you know Tower of Waters retreat with a uh rapid strike energy and gale thrust. Mm-hmm. Like that's just hard enough. And it's like even if you do that, it's like, okay, you did a hundred and twenty to my Mew. Okay, I'm just gonna go attack with something else now. Like maybe another Mew. Let's see.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I want to set up the I just want to go back to what you're like using motivate and why yeah. that's so good. And I can't believe I never thought of this. So you have a hundred and sixty HP fighting resistant Pokemon in the active. Yep. Cannot be Gale Thrust knocked out. In fact, Gale Thrust doesn't even it does 120, which is like, it's okay, but it's yeah. not that good of an attack, right? To be like, all right, here you go. And then you're that's feeding the Mew.
1: Yeah. And then it's like, even if you do Gale Thrust for 120 onto it, it's like, okay, now you're, you're giving me the Mew. You're giving me the Rapid Strike, Ursfu in the active. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, there's 40 HP left on that Squawk. Normally that's like, oh, that's like, Pro, that's like really good for Intellion, right? But then you're putting that Intellion in play, and then you're 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 risking that. Oh, I if I have boss's orders, I get three prizes.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's... So yeah, the
1: the the squawk ability motivate play is is so good just because. It's funny. I actually, during my top eight game, my friend Tanner was watching from the crowd, and my uh, round fifteen opponent, Sky, who I met, she she's lovely. I she was great to play against. Very fun, very fun opponent. <laughs> he said he just heard her like malding, uh over the fact she's like she's like he he just went into squawk ability. He just motivate put two energies on view. What do I like? What am I supposed to do? I can't. He just rapid-flows me back. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, you're right. What do you do? Like, if you like. The most damage you can do is put, like, you know, with Inteleon and do 140 to squawk, but then you're giving up three prizes. It's just like, you know, if you play the matchup well, which in this case I did, you, it's just really hard to lose.
0: <laughs> I love that. So, so many rapid strike players are going to be just in shambles trying to figure out how to beat that line now that the Maridon players know it, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the
1: thing is, well, if they're listening to this podcast, right? Because I had people in my group that were playing this deck, and you know, they, they, I had one, my friend Hayden, who he played the deck and he played against your Rapid Strike. He's like, played against your Rapid Strike, so I lost twice, and I'm like, I'm like, and I'm like, oh man, yeah, that sucks, like, because I hadn't really thought about the matchup that much until mm-hmm. I played it, and then I played it, and I'm like, oh, they just can't do anything if I motivate. Them. <laughs> Like they literally just can't do anything. Yeah. It's like all their like answers they, are bad. Yeah. It's like they can go like the, typically what would happen when I motivate onto Mew is that they would go rapid, rapid flow onto my Mew. If I had another Mew, they'd put it on that Mew. Um, and I'm like, okay. And then I rapid flow them back and they're like, oh, I can't do anything back. This <laughs> is bad.
0: <laughs> um, are there any other like big matchups that you want to talk about that we haven't touched yet? Because there are uh, there are other decks in the meta, of course.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the biggest I guess the other like big one that's like a little less self explanatory, maybe, mm-hmm. is the Gardevoir matchup. Just because that is a deck, um, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, and I think I think with the with Charizard being better, I think Guard War becomes a bit better because Gardevoir in theory like has a better matchup against Charizard, mm-hmm. but um the big thing about the Gardevoir matchup is that you like need to be like hyper, hyper aggressive, like literally like turn one amp very much, turn two amp very much, because in theory, they're going to have to mirage steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually they mirage steps and go for knockout. And then you just kind of have to, the big thing is, is setting up your attackers and piecing out your deck to make sure like, Hey, I need to make sure that I can get my last two prizes because while you take four prize cards really quick, getting those last two prize cards can be very difficult just because of you know i I own to to count you know counter catcher, up your mute stuff like that like you need to make sure you're planning out your game to take those last two prize cards because you take four prize cards so quickly and you don't actually get to thin your deck out that much mm-hmm. because you're you're doing it in two turns so that's that's the other biggest thing is just making sure like you know, thinning your deck, obviously thinning is winning, right? You know, we've heard we've heard that saying forever. Um, that's the only other matchup that's, like, can be kind of weird at times. Uh, a lot of time, if you're not using AMP to take, like, if you're not, you know, taking two prizes into taking your four prizes, like, in the first two turns, you're honestly probably gonna lose. <laughs> like, you need to be, you need to be going all in on the AMP you very much play, and then setting up your board after the fact. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, well, it's a lot about when, knowing when to go first versus second. Um, you know, the deck obviously wants to go second a lot. Uh, you know, Zard you want to go second because their setup is usually a lot worse if they go first. True. Um same same thing with Urshifu and Talion. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, Mew, you you actually want to go get first against uh because they don't because they don't really do much on their first turn, unless they're fusion mew, mm-hmm. uh then they can do stuff. But even then, uh In this build specifically with Spirit Tomb, you just want Spirit Tomb in play as soon as possible so that they have like no chance to set up. Lost Tina is one that I've I still haven't decided on uh, because it's like because Lost Tina's deck like they suck if they go first, right? Like their like their setup is bad. They are less likely to respond to you taking two prizes if they go first, Mm -hmm. but they play Path, which is very scary. Um, And if you get if you get Path with the wrong hand it's like you're just done mm-hmm. uh so i've been i've been favoring first a little bit in that matchup just because it's like you know what like i still win the game even if they get a decent setup like going second um so i might as well make sure that i have the best setup possible mm-hmm. um and that like you know any any deck like lugia palkia chen pao stuff like that you want to go first against just because they don't no like they're they're not doing anything on their first turn besides trying to set up so it's like i might as well you might as well get an extra energy attachment off Mm -hmm. um install you still you want to go second just because they want to go they want to go second because they want to play their supporters so might as well give yourself a chance to dock them uh yeah i think that pretty much covers the first versus second for almost every matchup
0: that was going to be one of my big questions because i was like i'm going to default to second going blind is that what you were doing game one
1: Yes, I was blind going second for sure. Um oh other lost box decks, uh you just want to go second. And you know, because you're just you just want to amp them before they have a chance to really respond to you. So yeah, definitely just uh go second against like lost Charizard, lost, you know, any other lost box deck that's not Tina mm. because they generally don't play path.
0: Um, another thing, so I started this podcast by saying I tested Peony Mariadon, never going to touch it. And then you have managed to try and convince me that <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good deck. So can you sell me why should everyone not play on? Why should it not be 17% of the day one meta going into Portland?
1: Um, I will say this deck is, this is a deck that is a lot harder to play perf- perfectly then people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been saying that, you know, the general consensus of the community is that Maridon's a bad deck, right? Like we <laughs> I I've I've been I've been saying Maridon's a bad deck. I, you know, people ask me, oh, what are you playing? I'm like, oh, a bad deck. Um, uh, you know, the consensus is that Maridon is a bad deck. But then we see players like good players like Jesse Parker and JW Crewall, um Joe Ho, I don't remember his last name. You know, he won L A I C with it. Mm-hmm. When good players pick up the deck, it does well. And, I, and that was part of the reason why I wanted to play it. I was like, I know I'm a good player. I know I can sequence well. I know I can make good decisions. So I'm going to play this and see how it goes. Obviously, it, it went well for me. Um, I think Maridon uh, is definitely a deck that you have to be okay with the fact that you may not have on paper the best matchup against something. I think that was something I struggled a lot with my testing group. So like, oh well, in this matchup, then they just we they just do this against Maraida on so and so. Um but you kinda have to understand that uh it's it is a consistent deck. Uh so sometimes you just don't have to worry worry about that in regards to it. But uh but just knowing we're going talking about why not to play it. So why not to play it is um uh, is the fact that it's a lot harder to play than you think it is. Mm-hmm. And, and you i would not recommend just picking this up out of nowhere and playing it you need it you need to have a very good understanding of exactly what cards you need on your bench and exactly how to sequence your turn and what cards you what cards are prized all that stuff you actually need to be able to play this deck near perfectly to be successful with it whereas i think something like Zard. You can be pretty successful with it, even if you make some slightly suboptimal plays.
0: Okay, I think that's a really good uh, <laughs> a really good summary of the ride on, right? Like, yeah, there's more to it than you'd expect, especially when you're dumping your hand for two cards and hoping for the best.
1: Well, yeah any any deck that you get to search your deck for exactly what you want, um, and generally there's going to be more skill expression, mm-hmm. uh, just because you're like, you know, instead of choosing between the seven cards I drew off and like drew off of research and what's there and what i have to work with you have my oh i have my entire deck uh, at the tip of my fingertips mm-hmm. which is also an argument for why like zard can be uh it can be very skill expressive you know you see players like azul and grant manly getting top eight mm-hmm. with it and you know they're the two zards in there because they're phenomenal players where it's like you know there's still plenty of zards that made day two but maybe those zards those players that played zard they didn't get top eight because they didn't always make the correct decisions. Whereas like, I know players like Azul and Grant are going to make the correct decision. Like 95% of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds right. Right. Yeah. One more question. Cause it's another one that had come up when I was playing the deck and might mm-hmm. for other people too. You P for double generator. You mm-hmm. play the first one, you hit two energies. You're on top of the world. Are you ever using Mew first before that second generator?
1: So the way the math works is that you only want to use Mew first if you are wanting to, like, hit an energy. And this comes from the idea of, like, people saying, should you Fleet it or mm-hmm. should you Generator first? If you want to hit the energy, like, attach for turn, then Fleet Footed first. But it because the, the odds of uh, hitting it versus not hitting it don't really change much mm-hmm. after the fact. So I... From my experience, you want to play the generator be- even before, so that because you just you don't want to draw into the energy. Because I cannot tell you how many times I whiffed the generator off of uh, after a peony and then restarted into three energy or restarted <laughs> into two energy. Like I showed my opponents, like I was like, I'm like, yep, makes sense. <laughs> like, like it happens, and you know you don't want to hit your energy cards in your hand. You want them in your deck. So just. Generally, there's not a situation where you're going to go for there's like maybe a weird scenario where you would go for double generator, but you don't have more than one target for it if that makes sense mm-hmm. like most of the time if you're going you know if you have if you're going for two generator, it's because you have multiple targets that you want to get multiple energy out of play mm-hmm. so and for some reason, if you're in a situation where it's like I need to attack mymara on and I you know really want to then I get the double generator just to attack the Maradon. Right I, I think you double generated for you, Mew, for sure. Just so that you don't draw into the energies because you want to draw into your supporters.
0: <laughs> Nick, if the people want more from you, where can they get uh, information from you or any shout-outs you have? Um, so if you want to hear more from me,
1: uh, you follow me on Twitter. It's at Nick C. Robinson. Um, you can also, if you're looking for coaching, I am a coach on Metify. Uh You can go to metafigg at sign Cyclone. It's like Cyclone, but with an F. Um, it's also linked on my Twitter profile. Uh, so follow me on there. I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, also, some special shout outs. I really have to give uh, shout outs to... Uh, Kiernan Wagner Tanner Drebeck, Hayden Cameron Jacobus, uh, stayed with them in San Antonio they were a great support uh, this past the past weekend and played the deck with me um, you know me me and Kiernan uh, put a lot of work into into the deck and selecting the card counts you know he was the one who got me on the two mu EX, which was great um, you know, t- Tanner ha- also helped a lot with the with the generator math and things like that uh, And final shout out to the Iowa Pokemon community. Uh, It's grown so much over the past years. And uh, it's super great uh, for those of you that are going to the Iowa League Cup Marathon uh, shortly after Christmas. Good luck. I'm excited to see you there. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I got for you.
0: Myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow Magikarp. Be sure to follow the pod at Lake of Rage Pod. This has been another another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.